my babies, and welcome once again. Yeah, I'm excited today. I don't know why. To poker in the ears. Wait, I do know why. Why is that, Joey? You're going to hear about it in a second. It's, it's our Monte Carlo preview show. I am Uncle Daddy. I am Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy Alien Day, Joe. And just to be clear, this is a reference to extraterrestrials in general and not a day to mark the anniversary of Ridley Scott's 1979 movie. Or about migrant workers, as we call them now, James. Come on. Coming up on today's show, it is our Monte Carlo preview show. I was going to ask if you're excited, but I already know the answer you to that question. You do that. Yeah, we're looking ahead to the Monte Carlo future, which is, um, um, I guess, later today, honestly. I'm literally getting on a plane in a few hours. But in order to do that, we're going to take a peek back at Monte Carlo past... But a not-too-distant pass, as we'll be joined by the 2019 Monte Carlo champion, Manig Lurzer, on the show. Uh, so we got Manig Lurzer, streaming schedule, all that stuff coming up later in the show. Uh, I did my first-ever headline weekend, James, as a stand-up comedian in and around rural Wisconsin, how slash why? Uh, well, you're going to find out in just a little bit. Uh, the poker Twitter streets continue to be completely batshit. Not oh. sure if we want to touch on any of that. I don't. No, no, no. We will not be mentioning any Charlie Carroll. I mean, poker players who've been involved in ridiculous conversations on this shit show of a platform. Yeah, with a, with a near guest of ours. Uh, this week's super fan is Big Andy. And we are doing some Marvel Comics trivia. Now, I don't know if I've explained this to you or not, James. So I love comics. I love the themes. I didn't really read a ton of comics as a kid. Uh, I did collect them. And I've started, speaking of collecting things, I've started, you know, my whole sports card thing has kind of died yes. down, right? I've, I've yes. kind of weaned myself off of that. But I do still like opening things from time to time. And what's cool is when I open baseball cards, basketball cards, whatever, it's a, it's a solo activity. My girlfriend doesn't care, but she does actually kind of like if I bring home some Star Wars cards or uh, some Marvel cards, because these are things we we take in together. You know, the she doesn't read the comics, but we've watched all the movies. So I went to the card shop with her and I said, hey, you guys got any like, you know, pop culture stuff? You got any Star Wars, Marvel? And he goes, oh, I got this box. I got this box of Marvel Fleer Ultra Marvel, and he said, "How?" I said, "How much?" And he said, "It's three hundred for the box." And um, luckily, my girlfriend misheard him and thought he said one hundred. So when I bought it, she wasn't that. She was like, "Oh, cool!" So no big deal. So there, there were twelve packs of cards in this box, and there were six cards per pack. So not a lot of cards. No, that is a high cost per card. I'm hoping that there's something good, and by good I mean valuable yes. in this selection. So the cards, by the way, are very thick. What I like about these cards is it's not like baseball cards that, like, when I, I just throw, I don't throw them away, but like they're worthless. I actually like looking at each one. I get a little bit of a, even if it's not super valuable. However, as I was leaving the store, the guy says, I hope you hit a jambalaya. And I'm like, what's a jambalaya? And he's like, that's the case hit. That's like the biggest thing you can get. In the entire case of cards, not just one box of cards, but the entire case of cards. And I will have you know, I did slowly open these packs of cards. I didn't do them all at once. It'd be like, oh, hey, it's like a Friday night. We've had a few drinks. Let's open a pack of cards. Eventually, I opened a Jambalaya card, a Thanos Jambalaya card, 
shiny, brand new. I hope there's a Thanos jumble card question later. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. Um, 500 bucks is going for on eBay, by the way, right now. Ungraded. Okay, so you could potentially make a $200 profit on what you paid for all the cards, or in your girlfriend's mind, a $400 profit. Correct, yes. If she doesn't know, nobody tell her. Nobody tell her that. Um, did she come with you to Wisconsin, or was that a solo trip? She did not come with me to Wisconsin. I decided to go solo on this, mostly because I got paid $325 total to go to Wisconsin. And so, uh, given that my hotel alone was about $500, I was already in the negative for this trip. I mean, th- th- this is what we expect. I would not for one second believe that an anecdote like this would involve you actually ending with a profit. No, of course not. But I'm on my way. You know, I'm on my way. Like getting paid, look, getting paid $150 to do a stand-up show is this is pretty good. Uh, not as good when you have to travel 2,000 miles to get there. Um, so I uh, I spent the weekend with a fellow who, who has a... Uh, uh, an alter ego that he performs her named Cash Money Carl. <laughs> and Carl uh, picked me up and dropped me off at my hotel every day. I mean, we were all over the Wisconsin countryside. Every show is about 45 minutes from my hotel, which um, is apparently not a great distance to be traveling when you live in this particular part of the world. I was a little, I was James, I was a little bit worried about my act going over well in this fairly conservative part of the country i mean they literally have billboards on the side of the road like pro-life billboards like the heartbeat starts the second you start having sex apparently uh according to these these billboards so so how many shows did you do i did a thursday show a, a short one that was like more or less an open mic that i was like the headliner for and that was only right 15 minutes now here's the funny part about this so cash money carl's um, I'll just tell what one anecdote. Cash Money Carl's is part of his act is he loads up a money gun, right? You know those money guns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he loads it up with fake $100 bills that have his face on it. And, okay. and he like sprays them into the crowd. So after the show, he hands me a, an envelope. And he's like, look, I know you came a long way. I wasn't expecting to get paid for this show. He was like, I know you came a long way. I know that um, here, I just want to make sure I paid you. And I open it up and I look at it and I'm like, uh, not right then. I, I like, you know, I put it in my pocket and then later I look at it and I go, oh my God, this, this is way too much money. Like I don't, he can't oh, possibly, man. he can't possibly afford this. And I put it in my you back pocket. You got paid in cash, cash money, call funny money, it right? W- it turns out it was like 25 real dollars <laughs> with like a fake hundred cash money, Carl, hundred dollar bill behind it. And I almost went and returned it. I almost, I almost gave him some money back, but it turns out it was only $25, which was plenty, uh, which was neither too much nor too little for the performance I put in. Um, so uh, what I really like about doing stand-up is that you don't really have any other responsibilities other than going to your show that night. So on Saturday, he was like, do you want to go to an escape room? And I was like, Sure. Yeah. Why not? Like, let's go to an escape room. Let's do a, a Appleton, Wisconsin escape room. And what happened was it was an escape room where you needed four people. So we invited like two random friends of his, um, you know, so that we would have the right number. It was a superhero themed escape room. And James, I was actually thinking a lot about you during this. So they were like, OK, in this escape room, like one of the team is like a superhero that's like sort of um, been captured. And the first part of it is like unlocking them. 
and they're like, who's like a who has a loud voice and is a good communicator because you're going to be in a separate room for the beginning. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I can do that. So then they put these two wristbands on me that have magnets that they lock you in to the uh, to the thing in the beginning. And all I could think about if this was some fucking horror movie where like I allow myself in rural Wisconsin to get locked into this escape room thing like i can't i like i'm like i'm it sorry I'm, I'm sorry is it is this like are these magnets can i pull them off and they're like no you can't and i'm like um is there any way i can just like not be locked in and pretend and they're like there's a release button on the on the thing that you can reach if you need it so when they put me in this thing as soon as the woman leaves the room i press that release button just to make sure it worked um, yeah, yeah. Because you're thinking I've somehow stumbled into the plot of like an independent correct, movie. Correct. And I'm now they're going to get a town on me for the next few hours. Correct. Absolutely. So, um, it, th- luckily I did survive. No one went to town on me. There was no uh, Pulp Fiction uh, samurai moment necessary. All worked out fine. Good shows. I was I was uh, a little bit worried, honestly. And uh, there were really good crowds, people that, you know, I don't think we necessarily aligned on everything politically that, uh, but I, I I avoid those topics in stand-up in general. I, um, I think that's a smart move, regardless of which audience you're playing to. Yes. And so uh, it was cool. And I did get home on time on Sunday to, I wanted to make sure, I, t- I took a super early flight. I more or less got up at 2 a.m. home time. To get home so I could watch TV with my girlfriend on Sunday, which we love doing. Finish The Mandalorian, you? Ugh. Yeah, I finished it. What's the matter? I don't know. I just felt, Overall, I felt that the third season is utterly underwhelming. I think there were some high points along the way. I thought the final episode was a little bit meh. Um, and I thought the kind of close of it was just like, I'm done with the show. I was done with it really at the end of season two. I think season two was such a perfect ending. It then needed to break off and we needed, okay, you can have the Boba Fett spinoff. It wasn't particularly good, but fine. You can have the Ahsoka spinoff. Maybe the Mandalorian pops up as a character from time to time in those other shows. I didn't need a third season. Make the show about Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians by trying to still make him yeah. and Grogu at the, at the center of this. It's just so forced. I, 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 Sort of, I guess I'm good at like compartmentalizing and only looking at the parts of the show I like because when you say that, I, that all is valid. I don't care. Look, I find Grogu just feels super cute and super like, you know, funny ish, but I sort of ignore that. And I, I did like the action in this, and I thought it was like when they did action scenes, I thought it was really good. Um, I thought the action was fine. Again, I think once you compare it to something like Andor, it does not compare favorably at all. Yeah. And I really, really hope that the Ahsoka series, and I love the trailer, by the way, for Ahsoka, if that is even a fraction as good as that trailer and lives up to the hype, it'll blow the Mandalorian out of the water. Uh, let's hope so. Let's hope so. I don't know. It's, I guess you're kind of right. We, it's weird that there are so many things that are like supposedly canonical that are such different tones, right? Like, yes, yes. It's, it's a, um, it's, and I, 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 but I did feel that generally, even though the Mandalorian has always had healthy dose of humor and I've no problem with that. I did feel that the first two seasons were a little bit more serious and maybe playing to old school fans. This felt more in line with the prequels in terms of its tone. This third and most recent series. And, and Boba Fett too, right? Like that's sort of like... Yes, the, that's where the rot set in. That's yeah. where it started to go wrong with what I also... What, with, with when, especially when 
that was to all intents and purposes Mandalorian season 2.5 yeah. as well as being about Boba Fett but the good news is Succession is still good yeah. The, the, the fourth and final season of Barry has started. I'm a couple of episodes into that. So there's a lot of good stuff to watch right now. Um, but obviously, I have been distracted the last week because I've moved home. And, Joe, I have not moved since 2005. So I've lived Almost in the same years. place wow. for 18 years. So I was reminded of all of the inconvenience, hassle, and expense that one goes through in moving homes. And... Yeah, the PokerStars Arena had to be disassembled and packed away. Um, the plan yeah. is for the new and hopefully improved PokerStars Arena to be up and running in time for Scoop. Because cool. even though this is our Monte Carlo preview episode, we should also highlight that the Spring Championship of Online Poker is coming. We discussed it with Steve Claricoats last week. And Scoop runs from the 7th of May to the 31st of May. We are going to be streaming three weeks of the series. There is the week that we come back from Monte Carlo where we've got other stuff to worry about. But from Monday the 15th and for the two weeks that follow that, we will be streaming Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. So that's nine streams in total. And that will include bubble coverage of the main event, the final table of the main event, the final table of the 25K Super High Roller, and loads of other big buy-in events as well. You're going to get some good flavor of scoop um, with the usual team, Griffin, Maria, Nick, Sam, in addition to Joe and myself, uh, live from the arena. So from the 15th through to the 31st, nine streams on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Um, and, and, and if you're an eagle-eyed viewer, you might notice some slight changes to James's arena. Oh, you'll notice probably major changes. I doubt I can get the lighting to match. <laughs> uh, very quickly, Joe, before we move on to all things Monte Carlo, yeah. um, I would like to give a shout-out to the PokerStars Discord server and specifically, specifically the PokerStars Poker in the Ears podcast discussion. And I would like to highlight a conversation that took place there the other day between yourself and someone called Dan Axel 17 um, If you wouldn't mind opening said Discord server, Joe, okay. I will play the role of Dan Axel 17 and I will read the question that Dan posted in our <laughs> channel. And I will read the very helpful, or Joe rather, will play the role of Joe Stapleton and will read the very helpful response that he gave. So here was Dan's question. I don't know if this is the right place for this, but I have no other poker group to message to. Me plus a mate were talking about the poker term cooler. Just means hands that have to call all-ins against each other, doesn't it? Like there's no avoiding an all-in situation with these hands. We were asking each other, is the term cooler or caller? <laughs> we didn't know, and we kind of leant towards caller in the end. Just seen on Rampage Poker's Insta story, he uses the word cooler. Is it cooler? And why has it got that name? And to which I replied, cooler, cold deck, setup. All words to describe the same thing, and they all come from the same place. Basically, it's a reference to the olden days when someone would set the deck to cheat setup. They would replace the deck the dealer had been using with the new setup deck, and the deck would be cold from not having been in the dealer's hand, hence cold deck or cooler. I would guess it's at least partially 
to mean cooling off a player who's been running hot as well. And no, this wasn't the right place for this question, but luckily I happen to have an answer I like giving. So thank you for your question. And the best part about this is you actually provided a genuine question. There was nothing trolly about your response at all. So see, come hang out in our Discord server, post a question, post a comment. One of the hosts of the show might respond to you and you might actually get some genuine heartfelt content out of them. The only reason I said I'd, I, um, I don't think it was the right place because I don't think Dan actually listens to the podcast. I think maybe, Dan... Maybe now that you've maybe. placated him... Maybe you've won us over a new listener. So, Dan, if you are listening to the show, let us know in said Discord server. And if you're not already a member, there is a link in the podcast description. Okay, let's talk about the 2023 Pokestars EPT presented by Monte Carlo Casino. Well, we've already established that we are excited to be heading back to Monaco. Joe, we have come full circle. So this time last year, we were kind of extra excited because it had been a while since we've been to any of the places on tour. Now, we were in Monte Carlo in 2022. We're now, I guess, back into that routine where we're going to the same destinations every 12 months. But I'm still really looking forward to it. The novelty hasn't worn off yet. That's exactly what I was about to say, is that last year, you know, it was very easy to be excited for it. We hadn't been around. We hadn't done things. We hadn't seen each other. We hadn't done TV shows. It was all new and again. New again. And that's, I mean, I really don't have anything new to add to that. It, I'm not jaded yet from it. I'm not, I'm not like, yeah. oh, this is on my seventh time in a row going to Monaco. The weather is always great there. Um, you know, obviously we don't get a lot of free time, but when you do get to go outside for a little bit, walking along that, that coastline there, it really is unlike anything else we do on the tour. And, uh, despite the fact that we loved the room in the Irish poker open, the Sal des Etoiles is still the coolest room, maybe the coolest room anywhere in the world to play poker in. And that's always like a nice feeling too. And you can smell that sea air as people are playing that sun beaming through the windows. You typically think of poker in a windowless dark room, but when the sun is shining through and those windows are open in that room, it really is. It it is something special. I can, I can picture it in my mind right now, like the smell and the feel of that room. Yeah, a hundred percent. It actually starts today, so we are recording this podcast on Wednesday, the twenty sixth of April. So the FPS main event starts today. Uh, the France Poker Series will then segue straight into the full EPT schedule. Uh, we will both be on site from Thursday, the twenty seventh. We don't start streaming until Sunday, but the thing I should highlight is we are doing seven days of streaming from Monte Carlo. So it's going to be a longer run than we did from Paris, um, and the gang's all going to be there. Everyone's going to be on site. Yes, even Maria is coming to Monte Carlo. And last year, Joe, you and I recorded a video for the Pokestars YouTube channel where we talked about our favorite moments or two of our favorite moments from Monte Carlo history. Yeah. So this year, I recorded a video where I got Griffin and Maria to talk about their 
favourite moments. So if you want to see a couple of great hands from Monte Carlo's of yesteryear, you can check out that video, which I think will be live from Friday. Um, I'm curious to see what they picked. Any hints as to what they picked? Do you know off the top of your head? I will tell you that they're both relatively recent. So they're both from recent years. And Griffin picked a hand where he was the commentator. <laughs> oh, oh, Griffin. Oh, my. Absolutely. My sweet Absolutely. summer child. Uh, so we are going to kick things off on Sunday. That's the 30th of April, the last day of the month, with the final table of the FPS main event, the local tour, which is a 1K buy-in. Very much the amuse-bouche before we bring you the final table of the 100,000 euro buy-in Super High Roller. Super that High Roller final table. EPT stream, and that's going to be on Monday, the 1st of May. And both those final table streams will start at 1 p.m. Central European summertime. This is going to be on the Pokestars Twitch and YouTube channels. And then we're going to follow those two final tables with our usual five days of main event coverage. That starts Tuesday, May 2nd, and that is going to be uh, world-famous bubble coverage. We'll follow it from day two all the way through to the sixth and final day, the final table on Saturday, the 6th of May. So the provisional days, 2, 3, 4, and 5, 12.30 local time, start time, final table, just as with the FPS and the Super High Roller, the main event final table starting at 1 p.m. local time. And... The mini EPT is back. I would recommend you watch the live streams to get more information on this series. But in a nutshell, the he the banner headline here is that this series runs in line with the stream. So it's seven days, Monday, sorry, Sunday through Saturday. And it is a series of low buy-in tournaments that you can play while watching our live coverage from Monte Carlo. And there is added value in every single prize pool. So... I guess most of the people who listen to this podcast, Joe, are going to be in a part of the world where they play on .com. We are adding scoop tickets oh, wow. to the prize pool of every single, every single mini EPT event. And what I like about this is with Paris, for example, we gave away EPT satellite tickets. The difference with giving away scoop tickets, they could be medium, they could be low, but the reality is that ticket will get you straight in to an actual championship event, right. an actual scoop event, which has a trophy attached, which has a title attached, which could mean becoming part of poker history. So it's a foot in the door to the event itself. You only have to run exciting. good at one thing instead of two things to get to the real money. Exactly. Um, and in the mini main event, which will run on final table day, on that final Saturday uh, of the festival, I think everyone who makes the final table will get a 1K scoop main event ticket. So that's the medium main wow. event. And the winner will get an EPT Barcelona package. So we're still keeping that dream alive of using the mini EPT to qualify players for the next stop on the European Poker Tour. But for the most part, the added value, and there is tens of thousands in added value across this series, by the way, is giving people the chance to play scoop for free come the month of May. So we'll talk about the series on the streams. There's going to be three events every single day. The buy-ins range uh, from around a, uh, around a dollar or ten or two dollars twenty to up to around fifty dollars. But you know there should be something for everyone. A bit of variety in the schedule as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the series has now become something that people expect and hopefully enjoy playing. Um, and and they're not they don't have to rely on you uh, to cash in this event to make sure it happens. Yeah, no pressure <laughs> on me. Um, 
So I know that there are going to be some special guests in Monte Carlo, as ever. There's always someone who shows up who you mm-hmm. weren't expecting. And I guess we can reveal that there is something else happening. The reason why we're there so early is on Saturday yeah. the 29th, which is the day before we start streaming, we are actually going to be recording something. So there is a game taking place on the main stage inside the Celle Etoile, but it's not going to be streamed. This is going to be a new series coming to the PokerStars YouTube channel later this year. I can tell you it's going to be a new cash game format cool. that we've never run before. Um, I guess it is going to be a little bit of an experiment, a little bit of a trial. But yeah, we're going to be filming that on the Saturday and it will be a post-produced show exclusive to YouTube and you will get to see that hopefully in the summer months. I know you love cash poker, Joe. I do love cash poker. Poker. I assume, if being that you're saying it's something that we've never tried before and that's a bit of an experiment, there must be some sort of bells and whistles or some kind of hook to this, um, which I'm obviously interested in having having cut my teeth on a cash game that had a bit of a hook uh for my for my premiere into this industry all i will say because i don't want to say too much at this stage because i think we'll really go big on this when people can finally get to see it but it does combine this i'll I'll say two things it doesn't involve a qualifier okay but it does involve something that has become a big part of poker and a very popular element in poker in recent years. Okay. I think I know what that is. I think I think I know what that is. But uh, more yeah. will be All revealed. Right. Of course, I imagine that once the event is taking place and people are able to take photos and maybe show the players who are taking part and those players themselves are maybe also hinting they're taking part, part in this and maybe a bit more information comes out. At the very least, I imagine the lineup will be revealed. But trust me, when the time is right, we'll tell you everything you need to know about this. But more than anything, I don't want to wax lyrical about something that people can't watch right now. Yeah, fine. again, just to highlight, it's not a stream. But they're not going to have to wait a year for this, like the TV shows. It'll, no, 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 yeah. no, no. And the other thing I should point out is because this is being made for YouTube, it's going to be shorter episodes as well. It's like a short form series. So I, I'm, I'm really quite excited about it. And uh, you and I are going to be involved in that one on the Saturday. But it's the Sunday, Sunday the 30th, when we start streaming through to Saturday the 6th, which is when we crown a new Monte Carlo main event champion. Or... Maybe we'll be in the early hours of Sunday the 7th because this is an event that does have a reputation for sometimes running long. And the last time it happened was 2019 when Manig Lerza emerged victorious. And I am pleased to say that he is the guest on this week's podcast. So we welcome Manig Lerza to Poker in the Ears. Thank you very much for having me on. You're Manic. more than welcome. What is going on with your travel right now? We've got you like on a 20-minute layover, um, and I got to hear all about this. Uh, well, I'm still in uh, Argentina right now. I'm cutting it pretty close because I have a meeting in Dubai on, well, in two days, and it takes like a long time to get there. Um, and then I only have like 24 hours in Dubai before I'm going to Monte Carlo. So it's quite a lot of flying. Yeah. Is this all poker or are you a businessman now or what? Um, Dubai is business, uh, Monte Carlo is poker. Yeah, so it's a mix. Can you uh, t- here? It's just okay. My, my girlfriend is Argentinian, so uh, we spend time together here. I mean, that um, sounds like the perfect life, right? Like, uh, girlfriend in Argentina, business yeah. in Dubai, poker in Monte Carlo, keep those things on separate continents. 
I mean, it sounds awesome, but you're doing all this within, what, like a 48-hour window. And if there's one thing we know about poker is it can be quite mentally, physically draining and tiring. How do you feel about going to EPT Monte Carlo with what's likely to be severe jet lag? Uh, yeah, I don't know uh, what it's going to feel like, to be honest, because I'm <laughs> like it's a different time zone again from Dubai, but I only spend a day there, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, usually I never have um, big problems with jet lag. Um, it's not a, not a big issue for me. So what day are you likely to arrive in Monte Carlo? Um, well, I was aiming for Saturday. I might I might switch it to Sunday uh, and then play 1B instead. Maybe it's right. a little easier. Right. But, uh, yeah, Saturday or Sunday. Are you looking forward to arriving at the venue and seeing your face everywhere? <laughs> Is it still there? It's not, I'm not even the most recent winner, so I don't I don't understand why it's on the Pokerstars travel site. Yeah, but you're the most recent winner from a simpler time. <laughs> yeah okay well that's that's very good point um I mean, yeah that, that that is i mean we say you want i mean 2019 but there's only been one ept monte carlo since because obviously yeah. as 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 joe said it was a a simpler time the world was changed forever in the two years that followed um i guess that kind of must have meant something you got to be the reigning champion for longer than anyone else true <laughs> right i guess so yeah it's uh you're right very confusing times um, but yeah, last year, last year was fun. I won a side event as well. I'm just running super hot there and I like the venue. I, uh, I haven't seen my friends since, uh, well, the poker friends since Paris. So it's been two months. Haven't played a hand of life poker since then either. So yeah, very much looking forward to it. So I'm guessing that this is, especially with what happened, uh, four years ago, this is a, I mean, every, I'm sure there are, you have kind of uh, favorite EPT stops beyond this, but this one obviously must feel particularly special. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's my favorite. It's always like that. Like when, when you have good memories in a place, it just feels so natural to go back and having a good time. Um, and then if you run really bad in a place, it's the opposite. It's just like part of part of poker, I guess. Are there places you have avoided after having run bad there previously? <laughs> uh, none that I can think of now, because just, I guess just a bit of dread. I've, I've just been running really well. <laughs> What's that, sir? Just a bit of dread. You don't. You haven't skipped anywhere entirely, but you're like, ooh, that place is. <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe that wasn't <laughs> wasn't as tough as. But I, I was running like super bad in the WSOP one year, and then like the next year, I felt like, oh, if I, if I break another two months in a row, that's this gonna suck. But then, yeah, a few years I was running good at WSOP. So <laughs> going going back, I mean, it felt like you were a reg on the EPT for many years before mm -hmm. the win in Monte Carlo. How long have you actually been uh, playing EPT events on a regular basis? Ooh, I mean, I guess the first one I ever played was like PCA. I guess that counts, right? Sure. I mean, like yeah, all the that... Pokestars events um, for the last 12 years or so. Been 12 years, so more than a decade, yeah. basically. Yeah, maybe, maybe even longer than that. Um, but yeah, I have, I barely skipped any EPTs because, uh, as I said, it's just my favorite. So, um, been grinding them nonstop. And then with COVID and everything that happened, I kind of semi retired, I would say. I didn't play much at all. I mean, no one did <laughs> live at least. Um, but, uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of started other businesses and took away some of the focus and not travel like 300 days a year <laughs> like I used to. And now I play more for enjoyment than for the money. So. Okay. Um, 
Because, you know, you're an intelligent guy. You were a professional poker player, so you know the variance involved in MTTs. You know yes. how hard it is to cut through a field of hundreds, if not thousands of players. But even so, did you feel 2019 is about time? It's been a long time coming, and finally I've got an EPT title. <laughs> no, it's funny because we always joked about it. It was like, I can remember when I started with my best friend, like, well, I guess when we were 18, so like 16 years ago or something. We had these uh, EPT DVDs of the wow. uh, season one to three or something, and yeah. we watched the final tables. Like complete, there was no live streams. I don't think. I mean, no, I there guess weren't. there was, but I wasn't watching. No, um, not back then. Okay, yeah. And I just had all these memories, and like my best uh, friend of uh, from school, we were talking about EPTs, and we went to I think EPT Dortmund or something, super long ago. Um, just took a road trip there. We just had like all these memories uh, for the EPT because we always wanted to win one. It was like bracelet and EPT were the goals, and uh, yeah, kind of achieved that. I guess the bracelets are only online bracelets, so. Still want to win a live one, but yeah, it was a big, a very big deal for me. The heads up was a big event. <laughs> when you were at the final table at EPT Monte Carlo, uh, were you having flashbacks? Were you having those moments with your friends? Like, I can't fucking believe this. We were watching DVDs and now I'm here. Were you having that sort of transportation back in time? It really, it really crossed my mind a lot. Yeah, during the final table, my my best friend from Scooby don't have so much contact anymore, and he sent me like uh, viewing party pictures with my other school friend. It's been so long, and yeah, it it was uh, it was a crazy. It was so many thoughts in my head. It was tough to to manage <laughs> because there's such a big difference becoming second and first, in my opinion. Like not just for the money, obviously we made a deal too, so it wasn't even a big heads up. But I really, really wanted to win. <laughs> and even though you were the winner. The hand that everyone still talks about, the highlight of that final table, is Ryan Reese Hero calling you with ten high. Yeah, um, I, I just got owned. I still, I still don't know how to <laughs> like talk about it. Uh, obviously, like everyone kept on asking me for years, uh, popping up everywhere, and I don't have any bad feelings about it. I, I don't think um, my bluff is so bad. It's just an amazing call. Um, it's. You just gotta gotta give him props there. He like it's not just. Um, I think he said somewhere that he would have called faster in like other circumstances, and I believe that uh, it's just like a really really tough spot to to go with your read there. Like it, it looks really stupid if you're wrong, and uh, now it looks stupid for me if you're right. It's, it's just like how it goes. I mean, um, it, it, in in context. You know, when it's small blind, big blind. He's a super short stack. You've got plenty of chips. If you just show the kind of all in and the call with no background and no context, it's kind of like, what's this guy doing with six two soft suit, and how does he make that call? But again, the whole table dynamic explains a lot. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, it's just it is kind of obvious that I have a lot of bluffs there. But the, th the thing is, he can't have a good hand either. Like, it's impossible because he would be all in preflop. So it's just like, does he really call with like something like 10 high? Or like, he could have a, um, a split pot as well if he has a 6 high or something. Uh, it's just like such a tough spot for him. And yeah, yeah just um, respect to him that he goes with his read there, with the cameras rolling. Um, very, very strong player, Ryan Reese, obviously. Yeah. And if that was one of the standout moments of the final table, the other thing that I remember most clearly is you guys played, I can't remember if it was four or five-handed, but for like six plus hours, it felt like? 
uh, it must have been like the final table was like what, like 16 hours or something from six left. It uh, went and so no late forever. that yeah. I left yeah. early. I couldn't, I did not see your winning moment. I did not get to interview you, which was obnoxious because you're one of the people that would have been easy for me to talk to, obviously, after a win. And then I get to the airport and then you get in line right behind me. Like I didn't even <laughs> have to leave. I just didn't know how much longer it was going to go. But yes, it went, it was a long ass final table. Uh, thank you to producer Chris for reminding me it was five-handed for nine hours. Yeah. Nine hours, including breaks, without losing a single player. Yeah, yeah, that was super crazy. Uh, and yeah, I, I do remember that, Joe. It's, uh, it was really <laughs> fun. My my, my friend, uh, Ayla Lee, she uh, when i was out to, when i was deep in the main event she booked flights for me to cyprus like i didn't i didn't sort anything because it was too much like i didn't sleep so so much because the days were so long so i didn't take care of anything and she just booked the flight for me and she said like after we won okay we gotta be hurry to, uh, to the airport <laughs> i didn't know i had a flight um so yeah we all flew to cyprus the same day and uh, celebrated but there uh, it was it was fun but it was very uh very just before the flight i think we had like half an hour to spare or something wow so, and yes. and what was I mean, I guess does adrenaline keep you going in that situation? Because from the outside looking in, we always complain about long final tables because they become very grueling, they become very taxing. When you're playing for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of euros, it's gotta be just as exhausting, if not more. Uh it is very exhausting, but uh, I didn't mind so much while I was playing. Like I kind of like I crashed a little bit after. I, I remember the pictures for me on the plane where I was like with my mouth open, just <laughs> sleeping on like a short flight. I was just so exhausted after. I still remember that. But during the final table, uh, I felt good. I felt fresh. I was like um, fasting on a really good routine. I think uh, just like really, really mentally fit. Um, so I felt good. Yeah. As a player. Would you rather the final table take that long, like exactly that long because of the structure and because of the way everyone played? Or would you, how do you feel about it being sped up um, and it taking a little bit less time? Um, you know, as, as a player, what's your opinion on that? I, I do prefer the EPTs. I, I think it's perfect structure. If you compare it to like the WPTs, um, the final table is super shallow. And yeah. it's it's basically uh i mean i do enjoy that too don't get me wrong it's it's fun to like gamble in these kind of spots especially online i actually kind of prefer the shorter structures because i don't like sitting in front of the computer for like 12 hours uh for for some of the tournaments uh so i do enjoy that but i think for something as prestigious as an ept i think the deep structures um are really great and i also love watching uh, all the final tables I do love this kind of like the Triton ones, for example. They are a little shorter, a little shorter as well, and I do enjoy that too. But I think uh, it makes the EPT special with these structures. Fair enough. That's I mean that's a good answer. Can someone clip that? Can someone? Uh, can someone? <laughs> that that'll be good for the marketing guys. Um, I only have we got a couple of questions left for you, man. One would be. Um, Griffin Benger seems to think that he was the defending champion of the Irish Open because it was the last time it happened before the pandemic, or the last time he was there. Exactly, exactly. Yes. It was like it's like six years previously, but because he hadn't been back since, he considered himself to be the defending champion. <laughs> Is that how you feel about this Monte Carlo? <laughs> 
Well, I, I guess I have been back, so I, I'm not. A, I, I can't even with Griffin's logic. I can't be the defending champion anymore. Yeah, I mean, um, never apply <laughs> Griffin logic in any context, regardless <laughs> of the circumstances. Um, now, yeah, the but... other member of the PokerStars commentary team we should bring up, of course, is Nick Walsh, who still to this yeah. day talks about the fact that he inherited a lot of trophies and a lot of alcohol when you left Brighton. Yeah, how do I get some my hands on some of that whiskey, man? It gets, it's just sitting there, not doing anyone any good. Yeah, uh, it might be gone, but I don't know. It was a lot of bottles. <laughs> no, uh, Nick helped me out a lot um, because I had uh, I had to leave my apartment in Brighton, and I was moving uh, well, moving a lot of stuff. And uh, he offered that I can leave some stuff in his apartment. And I, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long time now. So I left like the bracelet and trophies there, uh, computers, and a lot of whiskey because during COVID, everyone lost their mind a little, uh, or at least I did and started collecting a ton of whiskey. Um, I didn't collect so, it so much as I did collect the empty bottles. Yes, right, right. No, I did uh, like all the auction in the UK, the online auctions. Uh, it was fun, um, a new little hobby, but then I didn't think it through when I leave uh, <laughs> when I leave for a long time and don't have a place to store it. So yeah, Nick, uh, Nick is just an amazing friend and helped me out there. He is an amazing friend. I'm glad we got a good Nick plug in there. All right, man. I know we only have you for about 20 minutes, so I'm going to try to squeeze a stupid game in right now. I'm Turbo not sure round. if you're aware of this tradition. We haven't done it all that much lately. But, uh, man, I, I'm sure you've had to dealt with people making jokes about your last name uh, your entire life, us idiot English speakers, yes. myself included. Um, so we're going to play a little game right now called Win, Lures, or Draw, okay? Oh. Um, which is... Uh, I don't know if you know the phrase "win, lose, or draw." It's like a popular. Uh, it's a it's a phrase from yeah. gaming in America, and there was a, a TV show called "Win, Lose, or Draw," where you had to draw stuff. Anyway, um, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. All you have to do is tell me if the answer is "win," like the last name "win," like a Scotty win or a Min win, lures as in manic lures, or or another person named Larzer, or if it's a tie, if it's a draw, like in soccer. Okay. Okay. Easy okay, question I, to start off to... here. Question number one. According to the Hennon Mob, who is higher on the all-time money list? Win, lures, or draw? It's got to be win, I think. It's been playing forever, though. No? Manic Lurzer is number 94 on the all-time money list, and Scotty Win is number 79. So, yes, Scotty is higher, but not by a lot, Manic. Not by okay, a lot. I'll get him. Yeah. Question number two. According to the Hennon Mob, who has the highest live cash? Is it win, lures, or is it a draw? I would say lures. Lures is correct. 2.1 million for Manic Lures or Scotty wins biggest cash, 1.9 million. Oh, very close. Question number three. Who has more World Series of Poker bracelets? Min win or Manic Lurzer or draw? Win. Min Win has two World Series of Poker bracelets. Oh. Manic okay. Lurzer has two World Series of Poker bracelets. It's a draw. Okay, so you're two and one right now. Still <laughs> a winning score. Keep it up. Question number four. Which establishment gets a higher star rating via Google reviews? The Wyndham Hotel in Wynn, Arkansas, Lurzer's Kosher Deli and Caterer in Brooklyn, New York, or draw? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, 
win him? I don't know. I, I, was, I would say uh, win. It's got to be win, Arkansas. <laughs> the win, Arkansas Hotel, and Lurzer's Cozer Deli both have a Google star no. rating of 3.7 stars. That one is a draw. Two and two, <laughs> tight game. These so are like good. Three questions left. Question number five. Which of the following stuntmen, excuse me, stunt people, which of the following stunt people has appeared on Silicon Valley, Westworld, Superstore, and most recently, Amazon's Jury Duty? Is it Orfe LaDucera Wynn, Brandon Lurzer, or is it a draw? Have they both been on all of those shows? Oh, wow. I don't think I heard any of these. <laughs> like, Silicon um, Valley. Westworld, yeah. Superstore, and Jersey. These are all TV series? Uh, yes. I mean, I heard Westworld. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry to be so uneducated. Uh, Brenton, Brenton Lurzer is my guess. Brenton Lurzer is correct. That's right. <laughs> all right, okay. we're back in the lead. We're back up from. Uh, question number six. Which URL leads you to a web page that, uh, excuse me, which URL leads you to a web page that is about grinding? It's about the webpage revolves around grinding. Is it win.com, lurzer.com, or both? Is it a draw? I now have to check this out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I do um, I'll go with win.com. Win.com. If you go to win.com, all it says is just in the plainest type possible welcome to win.com. Um, Lurzer.com is for like an industrial machine parts building company uh, that ref that uh, makes machines that are that do grinding, smoothing, and polishing. So, ah, uh, uh, right. Yeah. So it's a different type of grinding. It was a trick question. Trick question. Ooh. Uh, right, so I believe it comes down to the seventh and final question. Seventh and final question. Here we go. In 2020, Duke University released a recording of an oral history about American predatory lending. Who appeared on that recording? Jeffrey Lurzer, Sean Wynn, or Draw? They were both on the recording. Uh, I, I'm gonna go with Jeffrey just because of the cool name. Technically, Jeffrey Lurzer is on the recording, but so is uh, so, Sean Wynn. Yeah, this one okay. was a draw. I just How? Googled the names Lurzer and Wynn to see where they would appear <laughs> together. Win, loser, draw. Look, Manic Lurzer, you're a winner in our book, no matter what. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. We know you got a flight to catch GTFO and GL in Monte Carlo. More like several flights to catch. Yes. Good luck with your travel plans, and we will see you on the Riviera. Thank you so much. That was a fun one. Thank you, guys. <laughs>for the Riviera, we are going to try and give away a tournament ticket and some Poker in the Ears merch as we say hello to this week's super fan, Andy Wallace. Hello. Afternoon. How are you both doing? Good, thanks. What is happening, Andy? Andy, um, Marvel Comics, talk to me. Are you a, a, a lifelong fan, a recent fan? Uh, so I was a big comic book fan as a kid, and then I sort of fell away around about 14 when girls became a thing for sure um and then got back into it more in my later years to the point i've got them 
tattooed on me. And Once you realized girls weren't going to be a thing, you went back to comic books. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about the rest of your life, Andy. So to break the break the routine of not having IT people on, I manage a pet shop. Cool. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the reaction it tends to get. <laughs> so yeah, uh, dealing with animals every day uh, is one of the best jobs. Of, well, the best job I've ever had. I think one of the best jobs you can have. Fantastic. <laughs> that is, and obviously, I can detect from your accent that you're from north of the border. Do you still live in Scotland? I do indeed, just about 20 miles outside of Glasgow. So I'm toning down the accent a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. So all I can think about, and forgive me if this is cliche, all I can think about when you say you manage a pet shop is that scene from Pee-wee's Big Adventure where there's the fire in the pet store and he's like running in and out, like bringing different animals every single trip. Is it that varied? Like, what do you, have have you got cats, dogs, snakes, rats, all of that? No, so it's all the kind of smaller furry things, so like rabbits, hamsters, guinea pigs. We used to have snakes and bearded dragons and stuff, but unfortunately not anymore. Okay. they were the best. One more sort of prying question about this. Do you ever have someone come in and buy a pet for you, try to buy a pet, and you're like, ah, I don't know about this. I, I, I don't know about selling this animal to this person. At least once a week. Yeah, right. Wow. I would yeah. imagine that you're just like, ooh, I don't really, this is, I don't feel great about this. Generally, their dental work is a sign that they won't get the animals' dental work looked after. That's a, that's a kind of good rule to go yeah, with. Ah, yeah. You can tell about them from the teeth. Um, so clearly, you're able to read people, Andy. Do you apply those skills at the poker tables? Uh, I try to. I try to get my, my live game going whenever I can. Um, there's a card room just outside Glasgow um, that I try to get to at least a couple of times a month. Uh, more of a tournament player than a cash game player, but yep. um, yeah, semi-successful. That's well, good. we're going to try and give you the opportunity to play an online tournament courtesy of PokerStars. Of course, you are going to have to beat Joe at comic book trivia. This is not something you're completely green on, Joe, but I get the impression that Andy knows his Marvel comics. Yeah, I think that the great equalizer here will be that the person who created the quiz, who I assume is Patrick, probably also isn't that well-versed in Marvel comics, so I don't know how deep he could go. Uh, Just one last question for Andy. Andy, which characters do you have tattooed on you, and are they the comic book versions or the movie versions? Ooh, good question. They are all the comic book versions, so currently I have a half-sleeve of various heroes, so I have Hulk, Captain America, Thor, Groot, um, and I've totally forgot the other one. Luckily, you can just look down at your bicep. <laughs> and Deadpool. There we go. Deadpool. Deadpool's fucking awesome. Well, okay. I have 10 questions, five for you and five for Joe, but you get to go first in this quiz, which has multiple choice options as ever. So please give me a number between one and 10, Andy. I'll go for number eight. Number eight. Interesting. What was the name of the Starks family butler in the comic books? It was Jarvis. I'm going to need the butler's full name to get the full complement of points. Oh, can I have the options? You can. Is it Billy Jarvis, Edith Jarvis, Edwin Jarvis, or Karen Jarvis? Edwin. 
Edwin Jarvis, I will give you a single point. I didn't You're on know the board. that, but I would have gone with Edwin after the choices also. All right. Um, I'll come seven. Why not? In what year did Iron Man first appear in comic book form? I'll have to take the choices. There's no way. Was it 1963, 1967, 1970, or 1974? Boy, those are tough. Those are tough. I would have... I know there was like a cartoon in the 70s. I think maybe he would... I feel like he was I was like, going to launch into the theme tune, but I don't want to get a copyright strike. Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with uh, the... The first one, the earliest 1963 one. 1963 is yeah. correct. You get a point, and we have a tight game going into the second round. Seven and eight are off the board, Andy. You can have any other number. I'll have number one. Number one. Marvel Comics was previously titled Timely Comics. Name one of the superheroes from their first ever issue. Can I have the options? Yes. Captain America. The Human Torch, Spider-Man, or Doctor Strange? The Human Torch. The Human Torch for wow. a single point. And he was very confident. Why were you so confident about that? You just knew it once you heard I it? Just, I just needed the options, yeah. I had a feeling it was Human Torch, so wow. I wanted to make sure it was there. Cool. Okay, Joe, where do you want to go on the board? I got smashed. My face smashed in on that one. Uh, I'll take the number, the number one. Uh, well, that was number one, number so two. I guess you want number two yeah. then. Okay. What color was the Hulk originally meant to be? Ooh. Wouldn't be a trick question. He's meant to be Well, he's he's angry, right? He's angry. I'm going to go with red. You're going to go for red without taking the options. Yeah, I know that you're leading me here, but I don't. I don't want to cheat. I'm gonna go no, with no, red. No, I'm, I'm just, gonna go I, with I, red I, without I, the options. Yeah. You're gonna go for the full two points and not get them. Gray <laughs> was the answer. Uh, okay. Gray is almost green. Spelling wise. Round three. Three, four, five, six, nine, or ten, Andy. I will go for ten. Number ten. In what year did Marvel slash Timely Comics release their first ever comic? Oh, did I try and go for the two? 1939. Correct for two points. Well done. That one I would have gotten. Damn it. Joe, <laughs> three, four, five, six, or nine? Three. What is Hawkeye's real name? Clint. Need his full name, please. I'll take the choices. Is it Clint Barton, oh, yeah. Clint Bingham, Clint Button, or Clint Bale? Clint Barton. For a single point, and you have a 4-2 lead going into the penultimate round. Four, five, six, or nine? I will go for six. How did the Fantastic Four get their superpowers? This going to be the wording of it. Uh, give me the options. <laughs> uh, look, I'm not going to be too harsh here. If you give me a okay. vague approximation of what happened to them, I'll allow it. So it was a like an. A space wave, a cosmic wave that gave them the powers. Cosmic radiation is what I've got written down, but I know what you're driving at. I'm going to give you the two points. And I would have done the same for you, Joe. That was I not favoritism no, no, no. to the I, I, that's, that's reasonable. I, I'm, I'm, I like the spirit of the game, personally. Four, five, or nine? All right, nine. Peter Parker works as a photographer for which newspaper? The Daily Bugle. 
You got two points. You're still in the game as we go into the final round. Four, five, the last two questions available, Andy. I will go four, five. What is the name of the founder of Marvel slash Timely Comics? Oh, what are the options? Frank Miller, Martin Goodman, Stan Lee, or Grant Morrison? Is it Stan Lee? It's a trick question. Stan actually started as an assistant. Martin Goodman was the founder of Marvel slash Timely Comics. Which means, Joe, if you can get question four correct without taking the options, yeah. you tie the game and we go to the tiebreaker. What is the name of Professor X's school? And I want the full name. Professor Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. It doesn't have the professor, but you know what? I'm going to give it to you because otherwise it was word perfect. So that means we are going to go to the tiebreaker. Six points each. And Andy, I'm sure you know how a tiebreaker works. The question will have a numerical answer. You can go for it or you can force Joe to answer and then take the over or the under. Can I, can I, but, I, can, I, just, I just want to say something about that last answer. When I was a kid, I got like a little a little card, like a fake student ID for Xavier School for Gifted y Youngsters, and I like filled out the back with like what my ex name man name would be, what my powers were, and all that. And I carried it into my in my wallet until my late twenties, um, and it had the address on Gray Malkin Lane also <laughs> on the card. Like I, that was that was like my what was it? That was my Slumdog Millionaire moment right okay. there. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, that was a very, very tragic confession as well. Uh, so the tiebreaker question is, according to Q1 of 2022, so at the start of last year, what was Marvel's market share of comic book sales? So it's a percentage, and it is to the nearest whole number that I'm looking for. So you can go for it if you think you know the answer, Andy, and then force Joe to go over or under, or you can force Joe to set the line. I'll let Joe set the line. Set the line, Joey. I'm going to set the line that they had a 60% market share of comic 60 books. 60% market share. Do you want to go higher or lower than 60%, Andy? I'm going to go lower. You're right to go lower. 39% market share. Wow. Uh, DC second with 24%. So on the tiebreaker, Andy, you are the winner of this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. That means tournament ticket, yours. Mug, yours. T-shirt, yours. Congrats. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It was a, a very good battle there. Jump it, it was up a, a fun a one. A good battle. And I guess in the words of Stan Lee, congratulations, true believer. Excelsior. Excelsior! <laughs> Andy, lovely to talk to you. We'll be in touch to get your details. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much to both of you. The show is absolutely fantastic, and thank you for having me on. Aw, thanks, Andy. All right, my babies, that's just about all the time we've got for this week's show. Coming up next time, it'll be our EPT Monte Carlo recap show. We do a preview, then we do a recap. That's how it works. But actually, Joe, it will also be the first week of Scoop. Well, actually, it'll be the second week of Scoop, but the first week of the streams I talked about earlier on. Okay, so obviously, we've got our, our agenda planned for, for months, honestly. Uh, so, no podcast for the next few weeks while we're in Monte Carlo. 
Uh, then we're going to get a break for a week. Not really sure it's a break because I'm going to stop by London, see some friends there. May 10th, if you guys are in London, want to come see my show in Hackney Wick, get in touch. And then we'll be back the third week of May. That'll come out on Friday, May 19th. So, yeah, hopefully we'll speak. I, yeah. Even though at that point, it'll have been like two weeks since Monte Carlo. Hopefully we can speak to someone who made a deep run in the main event, maybe one of the finalists, maybe the champion. Uh, the one thing I do know for sure is that because we'll be into Scoop, we'll have a few streams to talk about, and we will definitely 100% be joined by our Scoop correspondent, Howard Swains, to talk about the series so far. All right, that is it. That's all the time we got for this week's show. Remember, Discord, great place to ask questions. If I'm in a good mood, I'll write something actually helpful. <laughs> uh, also, that's where you apply to be a super fan. If you have suggestions for guests coming up, we would love to hear them. But for now, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I'm Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.